found us, it's the Ben and Matt Sportscast, where we're not going to be talking about how much older we're getting and the growing yeah, pains of aging. Yeah. Uh, but we are gonna we are gonna mark the time of that uh, with the announced retirement of Coach K at Duke following next season, joining Roy Williams, uh, making Tobacco Road uh, two new coaches in the span of two seasons. Yeah, 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 and and you you know you add in you know, Indiana new coach um, UCLA a couple years ago. Some of the uh, the absolute you know. Gym programs have had new coaches recently or will have them. You know, Coach K is one that I think uh, resonates with me especially, and, and I don't know if you've thought about it this way, but he's been the Duke coach our entire lives. Yeah. Um, you know, well, some of these other – Roy Williams been around our entire lives in coaching, whatever, but not at the same place doing the same job. And, like, you know, we we have not lived a moment where Duke is not helmed by Mike Krzyzewski. Well, and you've got uh... – the announced replacement is John Shire, who is younger, younger than, than us. us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. Who, who I, you know, I'm sure you remember. I remember him playing for Duke, and he was on the 2010 national championship team, which doesn't seem that long ago, but I guess is. I mean, 11 years is, is a while in sports or in anything. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it was. Um, I don't want to say surprising news. I mean, when you're when you're pushing 75. Mm-hmm. retiring is not shocking but it just is one of those that puts in perspective like the um, the stability which we don't get a lot in sports you know guys move around they go one place to the other and to think that you know as long as i've followed sports which is a long time and you too um you know this guy's been the duke coach and i, I think the fascinating question and the one we can't answer for a bit is you know will duke remain duke it's something that every program faces, right? It, you know, when you lose a, a foundational piece, Arizona went through it when Lute Olson, right. you know, retired. Right. And it was very right. bumpy. It was. It was. I mean, you know, two of the places I mentioned just a minute ago, Indiana and UCLA, have been looking for that stability for decades. I mean, Indiana, what, two decades since Bob Knight? And they've been to one Final Four, I think. Uh, with Mike Davis right after Bob Knight got canned. A lot of different coaches, a lot of different saviors that haven't been. UCLA has had some nice moments, but has never and will never get back to the heights of John Wooden. But, uh, you know, even after Wooden has never really, you know, maintained that position of power. So it'll be interesting to see what happens to Duke. Yeah, because you get this blue blood entitlement in college athletics. Yeah. Um that's pretty much everywhere, like like the Dukes, the Notre Dames sure, uh, sure. for football, where you just, you know, you've been able to pencil in your plans for the postseason right. every year. Right. And, you know, maybe you get the Oregon, you know, gentle, slow decline with like one mm-hmm. more blip up. Mm-hmm. Um, but maybe you just get the crash and burn. Now, he did set everything up, you know, they they had a year's notice. He can right. still help with recruits this year, but he also can have Shire lead the recruiting pitches. Um, so I, I, I'm curious to see, obviously, long-term what happens, but I do think in terms of handling it, and, and obviously we don't know what happens behind the scenes, but it sounds like he informed the school in advance of all of this leaking. 
like I guess so. Yeah, yeah, because you know my reaction to the news that came out was I don't believe there's a leading candidate that quickly. Well, I guess it really wasn't that quickly. It was because they've just been the news looking. had just come out. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and and look, I I hope it works out for John Shire. I mean, I have nothing against him at all. It's gonna that was gonna be a tough job for whoever. You know, we've discussed that in terms of Bobby Hurley, obviously, at times since he came here. You know, you've thought about it with Tommy Amaker, Jeff Capel, any number of coaches. I mean, there's Chris Collins. There's a number of guys who have coached under him, played under him. Yeah. And whoever it was going to be, it's it's a tough task replacing a legend. Uh, you know, again, you know, Lou Olson, uh, John Wooden, Bob Knight. You know, the only place that really has done a pretty smooth job, a little bumps here and there, but Kentucky. Yeah. You know, Kentucky has managed to, even after Adolph Rupp, it was, you know, Joe B. Hall, and then it was Eddie Sutton, and then it was Patino and Tubby Smith, and now Calipari, and, you know, they've, they've managed to still be a power, but that's, yeah. it's tough. And, and there are, you know, you there are missteps, like you said, the Billy Gillespie era. Billy Gillespie, right, right, but, yeah. I mean, there was some, you know, Carolina had their little blip there with Matt Doherty. And then they got Roy Williams and back to the tie, you know. So some programs yeah. have, but it, it's not easy. And, you know, going cross-sport, Alabama football, same thing, where, sure. you know, you you have these periods of excellence. The question is, you know, and it's probably unfair, will there be sustained excellence? And, and yeah. also, uh, one thing that's interesting, I think, from a recruiting standpoint mm-hmm. Is it playing for Coach K, who's tied in with the shoes and the Olympics right. and all these pros, or is it playing right. at Duke? And yeah, and, and and I think you could make an argument it's the latter, especially lately. Mm-hmm. Did Zion Williamson go to Duke because of Mike Krzyzewski? I, I don't know, but I, I'm not sold that that was the reason. Duke gave him a, a forum, and, and they have a great atmosphere, and they play in one of the premier conferences in the country, and a lot of their games are on national TV, and... I don't know that that's going away just because Mike Krzyzewski's going away. No, the the Duke-North Carolina rivalry certainly right. was built by him and Dean Smith. Sure, sure. But that rivalry persists because they're two schools in the same conference that are eight miles apart. <laughs> right, exactly, exactly. And yeah. one's public yeah, I mean, and it, one's private. And... It'll still be a big deal, no doubt, no doubt, you know. But, but yeah, I mean, the one, I guess you, you mentioned cross-sport. And the, and the place that I think of that, you know, and obviously Duke basketball will be hoping not to face this sort of fate, but I think of Florida State football mm-hmm. because it's very similar in that, you know, Florida State was not a great power before Bobby Bowden. They had some good, you know, Burt Reynolds played there and Lee Corso, but they weren't a national power. And Duke basketball really wasn't either. And this guy made them that. Now, the difference, of course, is Bobby Bowden let – things fell apart under Bobby Bowden with Florida State. And then Jimbo Fisher came in and, and did a pretty darn good job in his, you know, few years there. Mm-hmm. Um, but things frayed, and it's and this reminds me a little of that. Now, things haven't frayed much under Krzyzewski last year. It was a nightmare, but I chalked that up to just a, you know, fluke. Um, they were in the Elite Eight two years ago, so it's not like they've, you know, totally fallen apart. Um, but, you know, it, it'll just be interesting because – it's not North Carolina where you could say, okay, Roy Williams is leaving, but you know, Roy Williams didn't make North Carolina. He just, he just got him back on track. Um, Mike Krzyzewski basically made Duke. He took them from 
you know, solid program who would produce some decent players to Final Four contender every single year, basically for what thirty plus years now. Well, I think that the the one to look at then is Arizona basketball. Yeah, because yeah, that's true. Lute Olson made Arizona basketball, and yeah, they weren't great before he got there. They were at you know an average program, and frankly, he left them in in disarray because of how he left. Right, right. But the two-year yeah. saga that was his retirement. But then they they were able to right the ship, but never quite get back to the highest highs. No, and agreed. And, you know, it's one of those things, well, when your highest high is a national championship and Final Fours, it's like, yeah, of course, you, you don't always get back there. But over the span of, you know, what were 14, 15 years now. Years, something like that, yeah. They haven't really gotten there. No, and it's not for lack of, dates, yeah, it's but, not for yeah. lack of talent. No, it's, no. I mean, but for, it's hard to do. For a period there with Miller, they had, you know, God, I mean, Aiton was the number one pick. Derek Williams was the number two pick. They've had very good teams. But, yeah, couldn't couldn't quite get – they kind of lost their perch a little. Not much, you know, not tremendously. They're not horrible. Not like they've fallen, you know, but it does – it's kind of reminiscent of Indiana. Indiana, okay, the last, you know, few years they haven't been very good at all. But, you know, for a long run there, Indiana was, was good. Tom Crean did well. Kelvin Sampson had some success. Um, you know, got fired because of his, his, you know, recruiting violations. But, you know, it's just nobody's been able to get back to the heights of Bob Knight. College basketball is so coach-driven, it feels like, anymore. The, the coach sets the tone for everything. Yeah. Uh, maybe more than any other sport. Maybe more than college football, I would say. And... And it just, you know, losing that personality, it'll just be interesting to see. I mean, again, I, I, I'm rooting for Shire. I hope he does well. But, man, like you said, it is, you know, I think you said it earlier, something about, you know, the expectation of, of excellence. Like, that's hard. You know, just getting to the tournament for a first-time coach normally is an accomplishment. For him, it's going to be like, yeah, okay. Yeah, it's like, all right, well, that's title. good. Yeah. Of, of yeah. course he Getting did. to the second weekend is not going to make anybody thrilled at Duke. Whereas, you know, a place like Arizona State, obviously, we know. I mean, if Bobby Hurley could get us to a Sweet 16, he'd be a legend here. He could, he could, you know, go anywhere he wanted, and, and people would remember how great that year was that we got to the Sweet 16. That's not the case at Duke. The expectation is keep getting players like Zion and R.J. Barrett and, and these type of difference makers and go and win national championships or at least contend for them every year. There's no banner at Cameron for appearances in the tournament. No, no, I don't think so. Yeah, that there's not. Yeah, yeah, because they expect to be there every year. They're, they more likely keep a list of years they're not in. It's a much shorter list. Um, let's move on, because there's been a lot of turnover elsewhere, including in the NBA, where yeah. uh, Portland, coach gone, the Celtics, uh, I don't even yeah. know how to describe what happened there Danny Ainge it, it went from sources Danny Ainge contemplating leaving to uh Brad Stevens is leapfrogging Mike Zarin for president right. of basketball operations and he's gonna lead the coaching search for his replacement and, and Ainge is gone yeah mm -hmm. yeah I mean I guess there there had to be some consequence of their underachieving uh, you know and they have 
Um, I mean, this, you know, what, two, three years ago when they made the Kyrie Irving trade that it was, you know, and LeBron had left the East and Boston was going to, yeah, you know, I've seen the, the old takes, freezing cold takes, Twitter accounts that, you know, Boston's going to win the next five NBA or, you know, be in the next five NBA finals and dominate the East. And that has not been the case. The Kyrie thing fell apart. Gordon Hayward left. Well, and they hasn't really worked. You know, know. they had all of these assets, both players, young players and picks. And now we've gone through that period. Yeah. And they've got and 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 they've got an incredible talent in Tatum. They do. And, and I think Jalen Brown is in just a notch below. He's yeah. hurt in the playoffs, but he's really good. And then, you know, what do you do with that? You're, you know, mm-hmm. you're not, you're not the Bucks, you're not the Sixers, and you're not right. the Nets. You're not so, the Nets, yeah. And these yeah, guys great. are now like making real money. Right, right, and they don't have. I mean, I read, you know, we're so used to, you know, oh, the Celtics have all these extra picks. This year they don't. This year's draft, they just have a first and a second round pick. Like all that, all those draft capital and all that stuff is is done. Uh, mm-hmm. So, you know that feeling of like, well, the Celtics can always turn these four picks into a star. They can they can get another top five pick, and like doesn't feel that way right now. So it's yeah, it's a project. It, well, you know, I mean, you, you got two great pieces, so I'm not gonna feel too bad for them. But you're right, they're not at the level of those other teams with just those two pieces. Well, and it's years of hearing, oh, they were right in the mix mm-hmm. for Kawhi or Paul George. Mm-hmm. Or, and it's like, well, Durant, they or, didn't get yeah. any of them. And right, now, right. you know, now we're through it. And, uh, you know, Tatum and Brown are both elite talents, but I think you just look to the other team that just made a coaching change, Portland, and yeah. say, well, they've got Dame Lillard. Dame Lillard's a you know yeah. cons- consistent All NBA player, and McCollum yeah. is a borderline All Star just like Brown. Yeah. And they usually can't get out of the first round, uh, you know. And now, now the the rumors are already picking up that Lillard wants out. It's, you know, or well, he's the now year that said he, he wants. Out. He also now said he wants Jason Kidd as the he coach. He wants Jason Kidd, right? So he's he's making the power plays basically, you know. So it'll be interesting to see where that goes. So yeah, I mean, it's um again, there had to be some consequence i'm i'm a little i'm surprised by brad stevens wanting to apparently wanting to get out of the coaching game um that that that's the piece that surprised me because man he could have you know i go back to indiana we were just talking about them he could have had eight figures to be the indiana coach and didn't and now he's you know going upstairs i I mean I don't know if that's going to be a permanent change or if it's maybe just a temporary break and he gets back into coaching like Pat Riley, mm-hmm. who, who has done that a couple times. Yeah, well, um, and it's, 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 it's funny because it's, you know, this I saw in the story, I didn't remember this, but I saw an ESPN story that this is the same thing Ainge did in Phoenix. Yeah, that's true. That's true. You know, I, I had forgotten about that too. Yeah. Yeah. He, he went from, from the bench to the front office. So yeah, I mean, it's uh it's interesting, I, you know. I guess the the thing you don't know is, is I mean, does Brad Stevens have the front office touch? We don't know. I think he's a pretty good coach. Um, it's it's funny how perceptions change because when he first got to Boston and they had success, it was man, this guy's this guy's the wonder kid. Yeah. He's you know he's the great he's the best coach in the NBA. Uh, would you take him? I mean, I you know there were legitimate. Well, I don't know about legitimate. There were debates, you know, would you take him over, you know, having a, you know, Kawhi Leonard or something? Like, 
you know, but then as the years gone on and they lost in the Eastern Conference Finals a couple times, I know, I think both to Cleveland, at least one. Um, and, and then it's just like, you know, now I'm like, uh, what's going on? Why is this guy not able to get them over the hump? Um, we'll see. I mean, Ainge's, Ainge's career is interesting because I think you, overall you say he usually hit the right notes. He just didn't hit the right notes these last couple years. They, they took some big swings that didn't quite work out. Well, and the other piece with the Ainge career is – he got the title, and and I know Zach, on Absolutely. Zach Lowe's podcast that came out, I think yesterday they were having a, you know, a little side discussion about is it fair to say the old adage of if you win the title, all else is forgiven. It, but I yeah. think absolutely yes, and he got the title, and then he flipped those same pieces for this giant set of building blocks, right? Which didn't quite get there, but still gave them a a yearly contender, which. Well, and wasn't going to last with Garnett, Harrison, yeah. right, right, you know, and you and you leave the franchise with again two young stars, which is not bad. Now, is it enough to win a championship right now? No, it obviously isn't. Not when you get you know bounced in the first round and you finish as the seventh seed. You can't say this is a ready-made championship roster. But you know, Jason Tatum looks like a guy who could be a future MVP, and and Brown. Like I said, I think it's just a notch below a, you know, a legitimate, maybe top 20 player in the league uh, as, as time rolls on. Maybe not yet, but getting there. Yeah. And, well, and, and so the, you and got, they're so young. That's the thing that people forget is they're, you know, they in are. their early 20s, even though yeah, they've been exactly. around for a whole contract. A right, right. You know, I mean, so, you know, he, he did leave them in a fairly good place. Maybe not as good as you would have thought three years ago. But yeah, you're right. I mean. First of all, the Celtics have won one championship since, what, 1986? Mm-hmm. And he was the front office architect for that team. And and so, you know, it's sort of like sort of like UCLA basketball. Both had this amazing run. And they're never going to get back to those heights because that's just not how the sport works anymore. But they basically, you know, I mean, the Celtics have one title in the last 35 years. The UCLA has one in the last 50 years or 45 or whatever. So you shouldn't thumb your nose at that one. Um, and before that run, the Celtics had been bad. Like late '90s, early 2000s, they were awful. When he and was, had, the, they talked about in the ESPN story about yeah. how he traded Antoine Walker, who was a fan favorite. And it's like, mm-hmm. but that was the team needed someone better than him to be the, the best player. <laughs> they did, right? Right. I mean, I remember that. You know, the early 2000s, they had Walker and Pierce, and they I think they played the Nets in a playoff series, and you know, maybe a second round and, and, you know, they, they had a, like a huge comeback win. I remember in that series, you know, we're down by like 30 points, came back to win, but they just weren't good enough. You know, that was when the Nets were really good with kid Vince Carter, I think Richard Jefferson, uh, you know, they just weren't quite at that level. And, you know, they, I mean, look, the Garnett trade fell into their laps and, and, you know, I know the cynics will always say that Kevin McHale did his old buddy a favor and maybe perhaps there's some truth to that. Uh, but nonetheless, they had to make that move, and they had the pieces to make that move. They had the young players to make that trade. They, you know, they made the Allen trade just a few days before that, and and you know, it, it all came together, and they won a title and came within a few points of winning another one two years later. Yeah, uh, you know, they had the lead in the fourth quarter in Game Seven in L.A. in 2010. So, you know, I mean, it, it was a good run, and I, I'm sure he wanted that second one to really kind of solidify yourself. You can rebuild and win another title. It's kind of like a ultimate stamp. 
but yeah, I think, I mean, was it a success? If you win a championship, yes. Absolutely. I mean, I, I completely agree with that, you know, assessment. Like it's, I mean, I know the last few days there's been, the, you know, should the Lakers have made all those trade, all, all those guys for Anthony Davis, uh, you know, they won a championship. Yes. Yes. I mean, it was the right move. They don't win that title last year with a collection of Brandon Ingram and and Jordan Clarkson and Alonzo Ball and LeBron. I don't I don't think so. And we know that because that was the collection the year before. Right. And they missed the playoffs yeah. when LeBron got hurt. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, those guys are good players. But, yeah, I mean, you know, and, and, and uh, you know, look, Kuzma has not become the player he's supposed to be and he deserves criticism. But the reason they kept Kuzma was also that he was cheaper. Like, you know, the, the I've read the, you know, they should have kept Ingram instead of Kuzma. One, the Pelicans wanted Ingram. Two. Ingram was like the, the number two pick. He was, exactly. So he made a lot more money than Kuzma, who was like a, the 27th pick. Now, they have made the mistake of giving Kuzma a massive deal this past offseason. That was a mistake. Keeping him originally, I don't think was a mistake. No, not at all. And it's, I, I, like, as you said, it's unclear that they could have pulled the trigger and gotten that deal done without including With Kuzma instead of Ingram. I don't think so. You know, so, yeah. I mean, look, Anthony Davis got hurt this year, and unfortunately that's a pattern for him. But, you know, I, this whole, I mean, you know, of course it's Twitter, and you shouldn't put any stock in what people say on Twitter, but, you know, well, they made this trade for Anthony Davis, and they got one title. Like, let's not close the book on the Lakers as contenders just yet. Like, you know, they, they got bounced in the first round this year, but they were 22-7 and seven to start this year with Davis and LeBron healthy. Yes. And then they were never healthy after that. Well, if, you're, if your statement is, are they going to be able to stay healthy? That's a fair question. Le- it is. LeBron was invincible, but now he's in his late 30s. Right, and he's been hurt two of the last three years with, with you know, significant injuries that have taken longer for him to come back from than maybe he would have in his 20s. So, yeah, you're right. And Anthony Davis is, is you know, always banged up, it seems like. I mean, even last year when he played through the playoffs, it was a constant, like, oh, he's questionable. Oh, he's, a, you know, he seems like one of those guys who's fragile in a way. But, yeah, I'm not, I'm not ready to close the book on them. First of all, they, you know, I know you read these articles like, you know, well, they're they're so strapped. They're not going to be able to make an impact acquisition. I don't believe it. If you want to make an impact acquisition, you can in the NBA. Yeah. They are the Lakers. They are the Lakers. Right. (laughs) Right. I just I don't believe. Look, we have seen star players force their way to a certain team. We just saw it with James Harden. And so if Damian Lillard, to go to one of the guys we just talked about, decides I want out of Portland and I want to go to LA, they'll he'll end up in LA. I, I believe that. I mean I know people say it's fantastical to think that, that could happen and I on paper you're right, but James Harden said, I want out of Houston and I want to go to Brooklyn and here he is in Brooklyn. It's true. This you know this is the player empowerment era. It is. And it is. It, you know uh, on some level I, I think that LeBron has created this, yeah. Um, but which it's benefit—it's continued to benefit him because people want to play with him. It has, it has, which is perhaps a transition to a, a you know a related NBA topic, which is the the fan incidents at games, few fan incidents. Yeah. And I, I want to get your thought on this because I've heard it proposed. I don't think I don't think there's one explanation for this, nor do I think it needs to be you know 
broken down as some sort of major societal thing. It's a, it's a few fans out of thousands and thousands that have gone to games of late. But is there some element, I believe there is some element, that NBA players, and especially the stars, are not very likable right now. If you look around on the general, you know, Q rating, how many of them are like people really like these guys? Yeah, I I could see that. I I don't know if this is as rare as your take is. I, I think it varies by fan base, but I'm not at all surprised that Utah had more fans no. get suspended. Yeah. Um, so, so, uh, they're basically what, the Raiders you, of the NBA. <laughs> they are. They are. You know, I, I'll agree with you. I don't know that it's that rare, and I don't know that it's new. I, I think I think some of these things that have gotten noticed are simply a, a function of, one, we've been watching games for a year without many or any fans. So now we're more attuned to what the fans are doing. And it's it's sort of, to me, it's like officiating. We have more cameras. We have more access so we see things. In the past, would would we have had a camera trained on the tunnel to see the the you know popcorn hit Russell Westbrook? I don't know that we would have. But now on broadcast, there's all you know there's there's better technology. There's more access. I mean, there's people in the stands with cameras. The Trey right. Young, somebody trying to spit on Trey Young, was caught by someone's cell phone camera. Yeah. Well, not well, not the broadcast. I think it's, it's grainy video. I I, I think that the that one you're right this isn't a new phenomenon no um but you know maybe this is old man speak and i'm saying this with no basis (laughs) other than my own bluster um but could it be look at me culture and and social media and feeling like sure feeling like not only do i know these players but i i it's getting a reaction you know the bad the sure. bad child in in class, you know, scenario, <laughs> getting any reaction or any attention, no attention is is appropriate, sure. and sure. and so it's, you know, well I'm going to throw popcorn on him, I'm going to do this, yeah. and they're not, you know, it, everyone is a keyboard warrior now. Everyone is tough behind is their true. computer screen, and then when this happens, I, I saw somebody posted a thing, and I can't remember which former ASU player yeah. <laughs> I follow who liked it, which is why it popped yeah. up for me, but it was a. Uh, a Rams player was yeah. getting taunted while he was oh, sitting Marcus on. Peters. Yeah, and yes. and he runs yeah. up and he's like, "Oh, what?" Yeah, I saw like, that too. Yes, yes. And, and oh yeah, you're brave when you're in the stands. Yeah, and and they and they can't come after you. What's well, the? Then, it's the Artest melee, and, and I think and I think the fear, if I'm a, a league executive, is that because. Yes. The players have shown, I believe, pretty incredible restraint, either individually or of each other. You know, Westbrook didn't show restraint, but he was restrained. (laughs) He was restrained, right, right, right. Um, No, agreed. I'm I'm with you on that, yeah. You know, it's reminiscent of there's a, a famous wrestling, you know, video of some guy jumping in the ring and just getting pummeled <laughs> by two wrestlers who are feuding kayfabe but in real life right. are just two guys who'd work <laughs> right, at this right. company yeah yeah no i i think you're right so i i almost i almost want to say this i think we, we it may be two separate conversations 
I think that there is definitely, and, and this isn't new, there is an entitlement among fans. I think it, this is not something that's new. Um, tickets have gotten more and more expensive, and I think that's built, an enti- and, and athletes are higher and higher compensated. And so it's, it's grown over decades that there's a hostility between fans and the athletes because yeah. they feel like, hey, I'm paying $200 to sit courtside, whereas my dad might have paid $40. And this athlete is making $20 million, whereas my dad might have seen an athlete making a million, and that was considered high paid. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have the right to do what I want. And, and yeah, absolutely, I think there's that. And that's not on the NBA players. To me, it's it's more – this actually came up in, in a conversation I was having with, with my dad a month or so ago. We were talking about Zion. When it was the end of the season, and Zion was talking, like, you know, like I haven't earned the calls yet. And like, you know, that's a refreshing take. And like, you know, and I, and I said, you know, the thing with Zion is he is likable right now. Mm -hmm. And I think the NBA wants to push Zion because he's likable. And it hit me how many of the current stars are. I don't like this guy, but Steph Curry is, is liked by general fan base. I can't stand it, but that's basketball related. Yeah. Um, It's not a personality trope that you have. No, no, no. I mean, you know, and I, and I get that he's likable. He's, he's, you know. Kids like him, and all, but is LeBron likable? I I like LeBron because of the history, and I you know I like LeBron coming out. He was about our age, and I rooted for him. But if someone came to me and said, "Why should I like LeBron?" I might have a hard time explaining to them why they should. I think I I'm not sure I I would go with you on LeBron because in addition to his greatness, he he is he has done things that if you agree with what he is doing he's very open about what he's doing with the stuff yeah. in Akron and all of that yeah uh, you know yeah, sure, the sure. the thing with LeBron and I think this is the thing with athletes and everyone um is it's more it feels more manicured and it does and coordinated you know it's not mean Joe Green in the coke ad tossing his jersey to a kid like when LeBron, you know, that, it, it, or I should say it's almost exactly like that in real life, that real it life. is a right. decision <laughs> to do this because it looks good. Because it looks good, exactly. You know, yes. and, and I don't, yes. and, and look, I think it comes from a good place because there are plenty of people who are presented with two options, one sure. that makes them look good, one that, you know, is just them ignoring people, and they choose to just ignore people anyway. Right, right, um, true, true. But and I do... Again, I, I like LeBron. You know, you don't have to, I, you know, I root for him. I just, I think all the team movement hasn't helped his image. Not, I'm going to say these things and realize I don't have a personal problem with him. But I think that going to Miami and then going back to Cleveland and then going to L.A. and basically kind of feeling like a mercenary um, and always hooking up with other stars. And that's not, he didn't create that, despite what Julius Irving says. But that's the, that's the perception. The perception is... LeBron created this generation of super teams. Well, and what's uh, funny about that, I, I want to take these as they come. Yeah. No, what, no, no, go ahead. Yes. What's funny about that, and you and I have talked about this in other contexts, mostly, most notably with college athletes and, and mm-hmm. how people get aghast at, well, he would do this and make money, right. but it's like, if right. I could do it, I would do it too. Would. Sure. Um, sure. You know, the idea that LeBron decided that it's better for him, for his career and his post-career to move to Los Angeles mm-hmm. and that that's where he and his family wanted to be. 
if it was just a guy who was, you know, a delivery driver who felt sure. like he would make more money if he delivered pizzas in L.A., yeah. sure, we sure. everyone would be like, yeah, sure, go no, do that. No, no, and then, no, no, and then no. when you're not working, you're in L.A. It's great. Well, completely agree. Yeah, you know. completely. I mean, like I said, I don't have a problem with it, but I, I think that now some of this, you know, we're we're coming off two days after they got beat in the playoffs, and people just. People love to dump on LeBron, and that, I guess, is why I'm saying this. Like, there's just there seems to be an immense delight in dumping on LeBron, and and again, I like the guy, I root for him. I was hoping they'd win this series for multiple reasons, um, but you know, I just he's not, and and I don't want to just isolate him. He's the he's probably the biggest name in the league, but is Kevin Durant likable? I don't think so. No. Well, and the one difference, though, between Durant and LeBron is I don't think Durant goes out of his way to be likable. No. He he is, you know, persnickety with the media. He is. He's kind of a grouch uh, as a social media. Yeah. Yes. Yes. He's easily offended by everything. Um, Well, and he says, like, well, and I do think that there is. You know, the whole thing with him and Michael Rappaport, yes. you know, yes. uh, everyone comes down on him. But I, I don't know if you saw the um, the Brenly comment with Strowman. I did. And then I, did. I don't know if you saw Strowman posted like these posts that he gets on, you know, these uh-huh. comments and, and, uh-huh. and direct messages he gets on Instagram. And it's yeah. like, you know, I, I don't envy these kids because it happens at least at the college level, if not sure. lower. Where, sure, where these sure. people just hear these horrible things all the time. So I guess on some level, I, I hear you, and I think your point is 100% correct that they are, that fans are, are not as fond of the players today and yeah. that the relationship yeah. is strained and that fans feel more entitled and they think yeah. players feel more entitled. But I also think that the anonymity of social media yeah. Combined with, frankly, on some level, the amount of money unrelated to the game that is exchanged among fans with fantasy sports and gambling, true, true, um, yeah, creates this sentiment among people where they're entitled to tell you what they think. They, you know, they're entitled to do all these things and say these things, and you are paid enough to just take it, but you you the fan are at best tangentially paying for it that's like yelling at a cop that i pay your salary when they right, give you a ticket right. no you're right and i and and i think you know you mentioned social media and i and i was gonna say durant i was as i was thinking about this i'm thinking you know okay these guys they just don't seem to resonate the way that like magic did or jordan did and then i thought if jordan existed today would he be like kevin durant because we we regale these or we tell these stories with reverence about Jordan and and being slighted and making up slights and making up insults and taking things personally, and we look at it in hindsight and like, oh, what a competitor! But isn't that what Kevin Durant does on social media? Mm-hmm. Everything everything bothers him. Everything, but we see it in real time now, and it's like, dude, grow up! Well, that's, can't you just ignore things? Yeah, it, uh, it's you know, what the I kids mean, call the receipts. Standard. There aren't the yeah. receipts for what Jordan did and said. We didn't know it at the time. Or or we, we knew it, but we knew Jordan. it by anecdote. You right. know, that Jordan right. and Jordan had decided that he had a had a beef with Patrick Ewing and John Starks. Right. 
Okay. Or with uh, with the dude from the from the bullets, LeBradford Hayes or something. That one that they told the story in the Last Dance. Like, you know, I mean, he made it up. He completely made it up. And and but now, you know, we it's sort of akin to we talk about like partying athletes, but we look back at Babe Ruth or Joe Namath, and it's like, oh boy, those guys good party. Or Mickey Mantle. Right. Right. But now if you're doing it, it's like, geez, you got to take this game more seriously. What's the deal? You know, grow up. And and I think it's similar, but Jordan didn't have Twitter. He couldn't go on Twitter and fire back at the anonymous yeah. man. Well, there wasn't. And, and Jordan, no one had cell phone cameras around no, Jordan either no. when so, he was so, smoking cigars and, and, and playing cards. And, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so so Jordan was so perfectly packaged. Like that, that to me is why Jordan it was and remains so popular in a way is, God, he was a perfect marketing package and a, and a great player. I mean, I'm not taking that away. He was a great player and a killer and, you know, I mean, like tremendously clutch, but God, he was just perfectly packaged. And I don't think you could have that now. You couldn't, you know, you couldn't have companies get behind a guy and hide his warts, which he did have mm-hmm. as well now. Uh, you know, because those warts are out there for everyone to see. Um, but it's just, I guess I, I say all this about NBA players, and then I think about NFL players. And I think about, like, say, a Patrick Mahomes. I think Patrick Mahomes is pretty darn well-liked. Yeah. If you were to say, like, you know, is he a, you know, well-known, well-liked, um, you know, probably Aaron Rodgers. Now, he, he may have lost some people with the whole thing going on this offseason, but I think overall the general feeling is like, oh, yeah, I like that Aaron Rodgers guy. You mean being on Jeopardy? I know. I know. Yes, <laughs> yes. You know, yeah. <laughs> you know, that's a perfect example. Would there be a current NBA player besides maybe Steph Curry that would even be – no, because, because like, LeBron would be too divisive. Like, if, if they were to say, hey, LeBron, you want to do a, a two-week guest run on this? I don't think that they'd do it. Because too many people would be like, I can't stand that guy. I'm not watching this show. But Steph now, Curry would probably be like, oh, yeah, I love that guy. He's like my best friend. Now, do you think, and I'm, I'm just asking this, and maybe this is something that I don't think either of us are qualified to answer. Yeah. Do you think it matters that we know LeBron's politics and we never knew Jordan's politics? And Jordan specifically didn't want people to didn't know or think, it. I mean... We've we've become so much more polarized as a society. Sure. Right? Sure. Hundred percent. Yeah. And you can find in the room when we're talking about LeBron. Yeah. That the political stances he's taken and ones he hasn't taken. Yeah. And I believe he deserves criticism for that. Again, I like the guy. But when you want to get involved in politics and then certain things you want your privacy, like eh. You know, I mean, when you're when you're gonna tell us how we should act, but then you're gonna say the vaccine is my privacy. You know, I'm not going to talk about that. It's like, eh, people can call you out on that, and I think fairly. Yeah. You know, you want to be a societal leader when it's convenient for you kind of thing. Yeah, and, and I and I do think that there are some issues, right, where he's outspoken, and I do think that it's fair to say, look, this is what I'm passionate about, but when you are on that stage and you choose to use your platform, which I right. support, I think sure. they should. I have no problem I think you are. I think you are right to say, like, you can't then claim that you don't want to respond to something. Right, right. You know, I think you, you have... lose that. I think Tiger Woods, to use another huge name athlete, if, if someone says to Tiger Woods, hey, did you get the COVID vaccine? And he says, you know what? That's that's a private medical decision. I'm not going to talk about that. Okay. Because that fits his character. 
Mm-hmm. He doesn't tell us what he thinks about pretty much anything. And But, yeah, when you are going to be, you know, hey, I'm going to stand up for what I believe in and I'm going to take a stand and you can't scare me away. And I, All right, cool, fine with that. But well, then and, I think you lose a little bit when you say, well, this topic I don't want to touch. Well, and the other <laughs> piece to me of that is if your answer is I did my choice, I understand sure. that people have different views and I haven't researched it enough to speak uh, like, but you need to say something other than, you, need to say something. you know, right. I, right. I, even an evasive answer that's non-committal is an answer. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, the China stuff with him. Yeah. After you know, the Maury. I mean, the criticizing Daryl Maury as not being informed. And it's like, no, I think Daryl Maury's probably more informed than you are about it. So again, if you don't, if you want to say, you know what, I, I'd respect it more if he had said, you know what, China is not my concern i want to make america a better place yeah all right or look these are the issues i'm passionate about i speak about them because i read about them and i and i give a lot of thought to them right i haven't spent a lot of time thinking about this issue yet right Um, right but i but i would you know and you could even turn into a positive and say you know i'd invite people to give me you know literature books articles that would help me be informed and i encourage everyone else to seek that out too Yes, yeah. and then I, I think it would be 100% fair of the media to then six months later say, okay, you've had some time to educate yourself, what do you think? I mean, again, if you're going to take the bully pulpit and speak on societal issues, which I agree with you, I'm fine if they do, I'm also fine if they don't. Yeah. Don't have a problem with Jordan's well, mentality, don't have a problem with Tiger's mentality. If you want to just be an athlete, be an athlete, that's fine. Well, and that's um, the thing is, you're entitled to say, I don't want to get into it. And, right. and, and everyone's entitled to their own private views on who they vote for or why they vote how they sure. vote. And there are certain things, there's a reason why you do it in private because it's yes. up to you. But, you if, you, to share it. but right. if you choose right. to start pontificating, right. you, ne- you. you need to pick a spot. And, and, and frankly, I think that some of the, the logic behind this is the same as, you know, for an athlete who decides not to come out till after they play. And, and there's all the, there's always the question that gets asked sure. of, well, why didn't you do it while you were playing? And they say, sure, sure. I wasn't comfortable then. That's fine. I, you know, it, it, you yeah. can change, but you also then need to say I've changed or I think right. this is, imp-, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I think LeBron has picked his spots for what is convenient and what isn't. And again, this is said from someone who likes him, who roots for him, who has, you know, a T-shirt from every championship he's won except 2013 because that, that ripped my heart out. But I have the others. Uh, you know, I, I, I like the guy. He's, he is, to me, the best player of this generation, hands down. Better than Jordan, I don't know. That's a fun barroom debate. I don't really care. You know, he's, he's up there with him. Um, but I can understand why he's disliked. But so you're right. The, the political side of things plays into it now. But I would say three, four years ago, before he really started to venture into the political realm, I still don't think he was all that well liked. And and I don't know why that is. It just it just is. Um, the the decision thing for some people just turned people away forever. I guess like they some people just never gotten over that. Well, I, I think that there is something about us, and I don't know why I keep trying to get to this like philosophical level of point. No, that's okay. Cut. I mean, that's what this is. That's the conversation we're having, so but, I'm, I'm fine with that. But there's part of me that thinks, well, could it is some of it that he actually did all of the things that we put on him 
you know, is so. this is this Batman? <laughs> you know, in the I Dark Knight, so. where like I think, yeah, we've yeah, asked I... we asked him at age seventeen to be the greatest basketball player alive and maybe ever, right? And, and he, he has been, and he did it. Yes, and but he didn't do it in the in the storybook manner that we wanted. Basically, he didn't do it in the oh, he got drafted to Cleveland and he stayed with Cleveland his whole career and won four titles. And I think that's it. I think he's done it, but he's done it his own way. And I think that's yeah. I think it's rubs a lot of people the wrong way. It's like, well, hey, if you're you're going to do this, you're supposed to earn it. And there's this. I think that's. I think as I say that, that's it. I think a lot of people would say he hasn't earned it, which is laughable to me. I mean, I, I absolutely don't agree with that, but I think that's the perception is like, well, you took the easy road. You he teamed up with Dwight Wade. Literally... You teamed up with Kyrie. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, you know, that's the feeling. He's been quite literally the best player on every team he's been on. Yes. For his entire his career, yes. inclusive of this season. Right, right. You know, I mean, he is, to me, I mean, if you make a list of top five players of all time, he's got to be on there. And in every way, but there's just, I, I think, I also do think that from, I'm going to, I'm going to go more media perspective here. I think there's a lot of the basketball media that cut their teeth in the Jordan years and they're still influential and they get, they get a little threatened, uh, you know, and again, maybe I'm going to amateur psychology, like you were saying too, but they, there's a little bit of like, Hey, don't come for our king. Jordan's our king and you, you know, if you're willing to accept number two, we might entertain you, but any sort of like, Oh, this guy's better than Jordan. No, 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 no. And we're going to tell you all the reasons why. Yeah. And well, and we have these conversations with, you know, no one mentioning Bill Russell who came before all of the current sports media or magic or Kareem or, you know, guys who were, you know, I mean, you could make a compelling case that Kareem is the greatest basketball player of all time. The numbers would back you up in almost every way, mm-hmm. but Kareem didn't resonate the way Jordan did. He didn't want to. Well, you know, and Kareem I heard he didn't try hard until the playoffs. So. Right, exactly. Yes, yes. Yeah, you know, that's true. He doesn't play defense, and he didn't try hard until the playoffs. And but you know that that line in that movie is because that was the perception. There was the perception of Kareem just the really talented guy, and eh, he just shows up. And but like Kareem is is you know. He's got just as many titles as Jordan. He's got just as many MVPs. He, you know, he dominated in college. He dominated in the NBA. But, but Kareem wasn't, you know, Madison Avenue like Jordan was. Well, and they you didn't know, he, have he to, wasn't in commercials. And, they didn't change rules for Jordan. They, they did you not. weren't allowed they to dunk. <laughs> right, in, you're in, right. Because of yeah, Kareem, Kareem in college. Was, Kareem was very like you talk about unlikable stars at the time. Kareem was unlikable. Kareem was not a guy that people wrapped their arms around. Magic and Bird changed that impression of the NBA. That's yeah. why they're as influential today as, as they were back then, because, you know, the 70s were a dark time in the NBA, and Kareem was the best player in the NBA back then. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, and then Magic and Bird came along, and they were in the commercials, and they were on TV smiling, and, they, you know, and they played in big cities, and they had rivalry, and then Jordan came on their heels, and they changed, and I don't know, I mean, I guess that's the, that, there's not an easy answer, but it's just, it's been notable to me that you look around the stars of the NBA, it's not just LeBron, it's Durant, it's Kawhi Leonard, it's Chris Paul, it's Kyrie Irving, it's James Harden, it's Russell Westbrook, and not many of them would you probably get a very positive response just from the average person. 
yeah. not diehard basketball fan or basketball media, but if you just, you know, you took a, a sampling of the average person and said, do you like this person? I don't know that, except for Steph Curry, that they would get a lot of positive responses. Yeah. Well, and it's also one of those things that I think is becoming harder and harder in the sports landscape is separating the guy's play from the guy. The person. Yeah. You know? True. Which I, I always try to do. My, that is my, a big emphasis for me, but it is hard to do. My two favorite Packers, Favre and Rodgers, right. could not be more dissimilar off the field yeah. in terms of their politics, their personalities. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Which for me is, is I mean, and, and I think that's where you're going. Like, I like these guys because of what they do as players. That doesn't mean I, I think of them, you know, Kyrie gets on his moral high horse about how we're just out here to entertain and blah, blah, blah. No, I know they're people. I know they have lives and they have opinions and they have families and all that. But that's not, I mean, that was always the thing with Tiger Woods for me and why it was not difficult for me to navigate the Tiger Woods infidelity scandal because I didn't like Tiger Woods because he was my best friend or because I thought of him as family. I liked him because he was a great golfer. Still do. And you liked him um, for golf. You were right, go- You were right. never looking to Tiger Woods to be your no. moral compass. Exactly. He was not my hero. You know, I mean, he, he's, a, he's a, a favorite athlete of mine. The, I mean, my favorite athlete of all time is Tiger Woods. Probably will never be topped. But, yeah, I wasn't looking to him as a role model. I was, You know, if I could have played golf like him, sure. That went out the door a long time ago. But, you know, like, yeah, I mean, so I didn't have a – I don't have a problem with having Tiger Woods' picture on my wall because, like, oh, well, he cheated on his wife. Because I didn't put his picture on my wall because he was a great husband. But his picture because he won the Masters, you know, five times now. So, you know, that's how I try to go. I mean, like LeBron. I can criticize LeBron for, for being evasive on his political stuff sometimes. But I like LeBron because he's a great basketball player. So, okay. You know, to me, I, I can separate him, but I, I agree with you. It's harder and harder to do. Yeah. And, and I think less and less people want to. And, and No, I agree. But, you know, the, agree. The, the great thing about social media and the horrible thing about social media is you get <laughs> to control your narrative. I and know, you get I to know. control what people know and don't know and how you interact. And the problem with that is if you want privacy – or you want to not talk about something, but you've talked uh-huh. about everything else, people are going to wonder why. <laughs> they are. They are. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and, uh, and yeah, I mean, social media has changed our, our world, obviously, but, but certainly sports and, and how we see these athletes and how the media treats them. And, and maybe this is a transition into the other, you know, big story of the last few days, which is the, that Naomi Osaka not wanting to speak to the media at the French Open, you know, because, I mean, well, set, set the table for us here and let's see where this goes. So um, Naomi Osaka, grant, uh, you know, a, a winner of Grand Slams, probably yeah. one of, if not the best women's tennis player in the world right now, um, announced at the French Open that she was not planning on conducting her media uh, right. sessions or at least not attending got told that she would be fined um, and potentially disciplined if she 
further if she chose yeah. not to attend. Up to the point of DQing her from the tournament. And and she responded to that by uh, withdrawing entirely from the tournament. Um, which has been widely commented upon. I, yeah. I don't I yeah. don't know that there's a consensus. It, it seems like a lot of people use this as a place to sort of touch the suggestion of, well, you need to, you know, take care of your mental health. Sure. But then sure. they criticize her or don't uh, after right. that and right. saying like, well, how can you not do this? Or why is this the time and place to, to make this stand? Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and frankly, I, my view on this is if they were going to disqualify her for not doing it and mm-hmm. she wasn't going to do it, might as well withdraw. <laughs> yeah, I, I will say that. I, I don't. So I come at this from a, a variety of viewpoints because I have not the highest opinion of sports media anymore. So I don't want to be like, you know, up on my crusade that the media must be respected and, and, you know, treated with great reverence because I don't think they deserve it in many ways. But I believe, here's my thought. It's part of your responsibility. And if you don't want to have that responsibility, then, then withdraw from the tournament. And if you really don't want to have that responsibility, don't be a professional athlete. No one is making you be a professional athlete. No one, has, no one in the history of time, I don't believe, has, you know, maybe a Todd Marinovich who was created that way. But, you know, everybody at one point has chosen to go down the road of, I want to pursue sports. And you do it knowing that media is part of it. Well, and she could is. go She could go right now and become a club pro at the most expensive tennis club in the world and make a good living she, for the rest of her life. And if she did, I would 100% respect that. Because, look, I don't know her mental health issues and I don't want to know. In all honesty, I mean, it's not my business. If the if the pressure, I mean, what do we talk about all the time? We talk about a lot with athletes, especially those who like they get big at a young age, and it's like, man, the the fishbowl just becomes too much. Tiger Woods, I'll go back to him. You know, it didn't become too much for a while, but you know, did the fishbowl and the intense scrutiny everywhere he went contribute to his personal downfall? I think a hundred percent. I don't, I don't see how you could not tie those things together and say they were at least somewhat related. Um, and, and so it's part of the deal. You know that going into that, that if you're going to be a, you know, you want to be Tom Brady or you want to be Michael Jordan, that you're going to have eyes on you. You're going to have cameras in your face, microphones in your face after a tough loss. Nobody loves that. Nobody. I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm certain there's not a single athlete ever who has, after they've lost a tough game or had a bad day at the office, love to walk into a room and have people ask them, why did you suck so bad? Not, well, the, not in those words, yeah. but, but, you know, nonetheless. Like, I mean, that sucks. Well, and there um, is, I, I do think there is a, because I, I share your general uh, diminishing views on sports media but right but that's why i want to be careful how i word what i say here but but i do think that there has been at the same time a better recognition from sports media of how hard it is to be the player and 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 to get and they give a lot of credit to players who had the bad thing happen to them who sit there and 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 answer every question stand up and take it exactly and yeah, I mean, I, look, every one of us in our jobs 
has had a day, probably multiple days, if it's only one, you're really lucky, where things didn't go well. And you, for whether you think, man, I screwed this up, or everybody was just pissing me off, or whatever. And the last thing you'd want, I mean, in, in our roles, is to then have to go sit in front of a room of people and explain it. I mean, when I have a bad day at work, I just end the day. And, and you know, I'm sure that's the same for you. You know, we don't work jobs that, that the national media or local media cares about, which is good for us. A lot of people don't. 99% of people don't have that pressure. But again, that comes with the territory of being a professional athlete is you're, you know, it's the old, I don't know if you ever watched Mad Men, but Don Draper at one point screams to, you know, Peggy, that's what the money is for. Well, in some ways, that's what the money is for. You got to face the music and you have to face it when it's good and when it's bad. Well, and you, on that, I agree with you because, you know, you do, you do sign on for this. You do. Um, and Naomi Osaka gets paid. I don't know who her sponsors are, but I know she's got a fair amount. And part of the reason they give her that is so that she'll sit in a press conference with their logos on. Like yeah. That's not just to play tennis. That's the primary reason. But having the cameras on you when you're just sitting there and wearing a – if she's Nike. I think she's Nike. I don't know. Wearing a Nike swoosh, that's well, brand that, exposure. That is bad news for Nike because you don't know. And, and I don't know, but I'm not a tennis but, guy. But then anyway. again, had she been sitting in that room, maybe you would know. I, I, I know. Yeah. If she showed up at a press conference, at, especially given the attention on her, I might have seen. I might have been watching ESPN, and they showed an answer, and I went, oh, yeah, she's with Nike. So in a way, yeah, you're right. This this illustrates what I'm saying. If she's at a press conference, now again, I don't follow tennis that close, and I know you don't either. So we're not the best judges on this. But I sure, I sure do follow golf. And I can tell you that when Brooks Kepka talks after a round at the PGA, that he's wearing a Nike swoosh on his shirt and his hat. And, and Nike pays him for that. Not just to go out and play golf. Yeah, they like that. But it's it's that one-on-one camera time that you get that, you know, that resonates. I, I guess my view on this is that I think she handled this well. And, and the you know, in terms of, she said, I'm not doing it. They said, these are the repercussions of that choice. Right. And she Which said, I fine. Have no problem with their repercussions. I'll right. say that. I, well, I, 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 I am not, I, I'm not mad at how any of this played out. And, yeah. and I'm not mad at the fact that they've decided they're going to go revisit the issue uh, guess, among the Grand Slams and how they want to do it. Because, you know, that that's fine. You can have media availability be... You know, every other match or on on I the suppose. off day before or after, like you can make you can make changes or not. That's the 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 benefit of running your business is you get to True. decide those things. True. Um, now I would say, and I and I I don't think you're saying the opposite. They need to apply to everybody. Oh, absolutely. Like if you're going to make changes, then the rules have to be equal for everybody, not just for you know, hey, I don't want to do it, so I don't have to do it. And I think, you know, the the fear that some people might articulate is, well, what if she says this because it's real, but then someone else doesn't have a real issue, they sure. just don't want to do media, and it's like, you know what, sure. not everybody who brings a dog on an airplane needs that dog. <laughs> so, no, you're right, that's true, and that's a, that's a good comparison, because yeah, there are times where you think, where do you draw the line? And, and that, I believe, has to be the, the fear among media. Which, you know, has seen their access get cut by a lot over the last year. And some of those things will never come back. Now, I know it was out of necessity that their access was cut, but 
if you're in the media right now, you're you're kind of grabbing on to whatever you have because there's no open locker rooms right now. There's no open clubhouses. And and so when when then you see a high profile athlete saying, I'm not even gonna do your organized press conferences, like, hey, hold on here. You don't get to do that. And and I think you're exact that that becomes the fear of like, you know, well, I, I have mental health issues too, when really I just don't want to talk to you. Well, and, and and so then where I where I come down on this is, of uh, I I don't think this is the slippery slope to you and I are playing in the you know French Open final because we're the only two guys who are willing to do <laughs> no. media. Agree. Um, so I guess my view is: Are you prepared as an organization to not have these players competing? And you know. The, the one that popped into my head, which is a, a laughable comparison, but it's yeah. uh, Kobayashi with the hot dog eating contest. Right. Yeah. Right. He no, wanted I these changes going. and he had these demands and, and they had this falling out documented, I believe, in a 30 for 30. Yeah, um, I think it was. Yes. Yeah. You know, and, and there was this animosity. And the question was, well, can you do this without Kobayashi? Yeah. And the answer was, yeah. Yeah, we fine. can. Right. Right. You yeah. know, and if and if what Wait. happens is and and I think this is one of those things where you're getting at, if what happens is Naomi Osaka says, I don't want to participate in these things under this structure, mm-hmm. if they say, Well, this is the structure, we're sorry to see you go, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with either of these things happening. And it, no, and if I she, don't and, yeah. and if her response to that is, Well then I'm not gonna play and she doesn't play okay. Or she plays, you know, she joins a different tour. You know, yeah. this is, um, who's the basketball player from Iowa State who got drafted, I think, by the Celtics? Um, who, oh, yeah. Who had, like, anxiety who, disorder Yeah, and he went. Royce White. Royce, Royce White, White. And he went yeah. fly. Right, right. Was it the, it was the Rockets. It. it was the Rockets who drafted Yes, him. he did. Yeah. Um, and he went fly and they, and they tried to work through it. And ultimately he said, look, you told me I could do this, this, and this. And now you're saying I can't, I'm not playing. And they said, well, it sucks. We wasted a, a pick on you, yeah. but fine. But okay. Everyone yeah. is yeah. acting within their prerogative there. Sure. sure. Um, like I said, you know, being a, being an athlete, being a professional athlete is a choice. And if you aren't comfortable with the requirements of that, then stop being, you know, I got no, I mean, it's, you know, people retire young sometimes. You got Calvin Johnson or whatever. And I'm not saying he retired because of that, but if it's just like, Hey, this isn't fun anymore. I don't like it. All right. Well, it's, you know, thousands the, of people waiting to take your place. Joe Posnanski mentioned on Twitter that this reminded him of when Granky said he was stepping away from the game. Right. Um, right. I, you know, my thought on this was, you know, it could turn into a Ricky Williams situation where it's like, mm-hmm, I, mm-hmm. I want to do this. This is more important to me than, than sports. Sure. So I'm going to do this and then maybe sports will be there when I'm ready. And maybe it yeah. won't. Which, you know, I mean, we talked about Ricky Williams back then had no problem with it. Yeah. You know, if he, if his, his individual priority was different than what the priorities were of being in the NFL, then don't stay in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Then you're giving up the money. And that, and if Naomi Osaka really wants, you know, if she wants to give up the money and the fanfare and the adulation that comes with being a big time tennis player, then okay, understood. But you know, to me, you can't have it both ways. You can't be the big time tennis player and not want, you know, the attention. And sometimes that attention means things you don't like. And and that is, I think, 
well, go ahead. Go ahead. Say what well, you were going to say. What I was going to say is, look, there, there's a struggle here that is, for her, I believe real. Because we've seen it with her from her breakout with the Serena right. Williams uh, incident. Right, right, right. That throughout, she, like, she has had yeah. a very difficult time with the spotlight. Sure. And a very difficult time with this. And I do believe that as things change, there can be more accommodations made. To a point. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. But, you know, the question, I guess, becomes, is this, um, you know, the golf cart for the guy with the weak leg? Right, Casey Martin. Or is this, you know... Ricky Williams, where it's yeah, uh, it's yeah. a rule. It, it has nothing to, like you may believe this is good for your health to smoke marijuana. We've yeah. decided that if you want to play our game, you can't. So which is it? Which is it? So you've got to choose which path you want. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, and again, all of this I say with the notion, and I, I mean, you hinted at it too. Like the balance of power has shifted from from the media to the to the subject a lot over the last few decades. Um, and this is why I used social media point as a transition because, you know, you said it, you know, you can set your own narrative a lot of times if you're a famous person and you don't, you don't need the media anymore. And so the media has had to become much more sycophantic and that's a polite way of, I could use more, you know, nasty terms, but I'll, I'll settle on sycophantic because that's how they keep access because the air, I mean, I, I saw it. I saw it for, you know, in my job for six years. The Arizona Cardinals don't need the Arizona Republic at all. If the Arizona Republic stopped covering the Cardinals, the Cardinals wouldn't care. They have their own media. They have their own media. And I saw it grow in my six years there to the point where many press conferences were attended by more team employee media than non-team employee media. Uh, You know, especially when the team wasn't very good. Because we didn't have national people coming in. And so you look around the room and you think, there's only like four people in here who are not drawing a paycheck from the Cardinals. And, and like, you know, that was out of 30 people in the room. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's, you know, and, and the Cardinals are far, far, far from the greatest example of that. I mean, I'm sure the Dallas Cowboys and the Steelers and, the, you know, some of the big time teams, the Packers, they probably have an even bigger army of people. And, and then you look at the individual athletes, Tiger Woods. I'm going to go to him again. I mean, he, is, he has mastered the art of I put out news when I want to put it out. I don't need anybody to help me. I, you know, Golf Digest has a deal with him, but he controls that. Golf Digest doesn't say, hey, Tiger, we need you. It's, okay, well, I'll, I'll film something for you today. He's in, he's in power. And so, you know, that's why I'm a little bit hesitant to be like, well, the media's job is super important. I'm not sure that it is anymore. It's more to me just like, hey, this is part of the deal. This is what you sign on for. So do it or don't. And if you don't want to, then don't sign on for it. Yeah. And I and the frankly, I, I do think that there will be, you know, the French Open is different from, you know, some second tier. Yeah. I mean, obviously, I don't follow tennis, so I don't know. I don't either, but some... no, I'm with you. I mean, it's, it's you know, it's one of the four and, Grand Slams. And if it's so, going to get a lot of attention, so no matter if, what. If somebody else says, hey, look, we want you to play, um, so you don't have to do media, I, I wouldn't be shocked by that. No, you know? agreed, agreed. I mean, 
you know, I, I don't know where it goes. I mean, I, I think there's, you know, I read yesterday I, sort of a, a sister story to this that, you know, the NFL seems to be trending in the direction of still no open locker rooms during camp and, and preseason, which will probably bleed into the season. And if you're, I mean, you know, I still keep in touch with a few people who, you know, cover the Cardinals and I, and I know that, you know, they're going to, they're going to be upset by that because that's how they get stories. And, and, you know, now it goes into a second year and you don't know if it's ever coming back. I'm not sure it is because it's once something becomes a repeated pattern, you don't often break that pattern unless there's a compelling reason. And the players certainly don't want it. I mean, I could, I could guarantee you NFL players aren't going to be like, no, bring the media into our locker room again, please. Uh, they never liked it in the first place. So, you know, I, I get the media's preoccupation with this story because they, like I said, they got to feel like they're being, they're being marginalized on all sides. And if this becomes a trend and she's getting a lot of support from other athletes, I mean, you, I'm sure you've seen them, that, you know, retweets and the comments and we're with you and it's like boy the last thing media wants is for more people to say I, i'm standing with her and i'm refusing to do media too yeah it's one of those things where i i guess if you the only option if they all do that is you switch to an optional press conference i guess yeah. and there will be people who want to i mean i'm I, by no means am i saying that you know well let's say you're no trying to sell let's say you're trying to sell a sequel two decades later to a movie about cartoon <laughs> basketball. Right. Right. Like someone else we were talking about earlier. Yeah. 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 Uh, I mean, no, there will be because again, then, but see, then it becomes, they can frame the narrative. And so if you're, if you're LeBron and you have a crappy game five and you just say, I don't, don't want to do it, you can do it. And that, that's got to scare writers and TV people, writers, especially. Mm -hmm. because that's where they get their material and again you know up until last spring you know if you didn't go to the press conference well you could go in the locker room and talk to guys well now yeah. you don't have that well so you're i only mean getting who the team brings to a press conference anyway and, and i think part of this is a media landscape issue because tv is about pictures and, and sure, sure. The, the chris Connolly stories are fun yeah. and the e60 yeah. but Ronaldi's. Okay. yeah yeah but ESPN has, you know, the, the same thing that Bravo does, where they just do shows about their shows. ESPN <laughs> yeah. does the same thing. They have reporters talking about the things they cover. Right, right. So the reporter becomes the, the source of the material, and they yeah. just show clips behind yeah. it. And, and I know they have relationships, and they're making phone calls, and they're doing things, but it just becomes then a complete... they become the story. Yeah. yeah. No, I mean, 100%. Like, I... It, it hit me just, I mean, and we've talked about these people before, but just a couple weeks ago, I was driving and I think I was listening to something they were talking about, you know, Stephen A or Skip Bayless. And I, and I thought, you know, like, we should probably stop, like, saying, oh, they're a disgrace to journalism because they're not really in journalism. They're basically actors. Yeah. Like, Skip Bayless is, is a high-paid actor. He gets paid just like Dwayne Johnson to play a character. And, mm -hmm. and you know, and I mean, I can't stand him, but it works. People, people watch. Well, and it becomes and this tweet. whole idea, right, of like a columnist now is his own. Everyone has kind of become Bill Simmons. Yes. Everyone yes. has become Bill Simmons, and Bill Simmons has become everyone else. 
Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. watched the game, and instead of reporting on the facts of the game, because you and I both saw it, and we can both read a box right. score, I'm right. going to tell you what I think about what I saw. Right, right, right. And it's and it's got to be got to be hot, got to be good. I mean, you you can't go on TV and say, well, the, the Lakers won Game Three, but. I don't know who's going to win this series. Well, I guess we'll have to let the games play out because it'd be like, well, uh, okay, yeah, I know that. You got to go on and say, oh, this series is over. Lakers are going to win. Or, uh, yeah, the, the Suns are coming back to win this series. I don't care what, you know, you got to say something because you'll be swallowed up if you don't. I mean, you know, you'll be lost in a sea of other hot takes. Yeah. I don't know, man. I mean, I gosh, I could, I could and, and you and I have talk sports media for hours and hours and hours because there's so many legs of it and you know you and i both wanted to get into it now neither one of us is but i know we still we still consume a lot of sports and a lot of sports media and uh you know it's it's fat i mean i think about how different it is just from when i was a kid uh you know not even going back to the 70s which i didn't live through but just you know when i was a kid my parents and i would come up here and we'd buy the sunday republic uh, you know, on a, on a, you know, weekend morning and we'd read, you know, Pedro Gomez, the late great Pedro Gomez as, you know, the D-backs insider. And that's where you learned your news about the D-backs. Mm-hmm. You know, that's where I'd learn about prospects and where they were. And you just don't need that anymore. I mean, I haven't read the Arizona Republic, a print edition in years. And, and I have no reason to. Since and, and so paid to? Pretty much. Yeah. And even before then. I mean, we went to online stuff, you know, in 2013 when I was still being, you know, I was still with the Cardinals. So it's like, yeah, I mean, the last time I can't remember the last time I had a hard copy of the Republic in my hands. Uh, probably 2016, if, if ever. And that was when I was with the Cardinals. But it might have been before that. And that used to feel like gold. I mean, I remember being a kid and like oh, Sunday Republic sports page. You'd read Kent Summers, NFL Insider. You'd read. Uh, you know, Pedro Gomez, MLB insider, like you were learning stuff. And now you you don't need that. And again, it ain't going back. So, I mean, this is wistful reminiscing and that's it. Because the the world and the media landscape has changed so much. And it's just, uh, again, there's so many tentacles to it. I mean, I, I watch PTI and I, I listen to these two guys talk about who they're rooting for. And I think, remember a day when, when sports reporters said they didn't root? Now they just come right out and say it. Mm-hmm. When Jerry in the press box was frowned on. Yes, yes. I mean, uh, you know, like uh, you know, now it's now Will Bond's on TV and and coming right out and saying, "I'm rooting for the Suns because of my friend Chris Paul." And I'm like, "What? Don't you cover the NBA? Shouldn't you at least pretend to have some objectivity?" But I guess not. It's it's out the window now. Yeah. Well, we've been going around and around. Oh, yeah, nice. and again, I mean, God, I you know, we could we could go, I could go for another three hours, but we'll we'll wrap there, or I will at least. Um, if you have anything more to say? Feel free. No, I'm pretty, I'm pretty tapped. Uh, <laughs> but we'll be we'll be back. We're going to talk more about uh, the explosion in college football recruiting since recruits are allowed yes. back on campus for the first Finally, time. Finally, the dead period is over yeah. after 15 months. And, uh, you know, we'll follow along on what happens with ASU football. We'll follow That's along right. on the That's NBA right. playoffs. Opening day of ASU football is less than three months away, Mr. Glitchman. we got to get ready. I, I, you don't have to get ready if you stay ready. <laughs> if you stay ready. And I have stayed ready. You're right. That's, <laughs> that's a good point. Yes. 
Until next time, he's Matt. I'm Ben. It's the Ben Matt Sportscast.